keep repeating to yourself, it's only a movie. Only a movie. Only a movie. Only a movie. Last house on the left. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pod and Gore, your one-stop shop for just about everything that you could call horror, and we are your hosts. My name is Justin. And my name is Brandon. Welcome to the Shizzo. Uh, oh, good morning, good afternoon, hello, wherever you are listening from. <laughs> it's good to be here today. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, life, man. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> like... Last night, I was like, okay, I'll watch the movie when I get home. I didn't get home yeah. till like 9 o'clock, almost 10 o'clock, and then I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to stay up till midnight. That's fair. And so, yeah. And also, so, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> but, but so with my new schedule, like I, like especially with redoing my room, which is another reason, just been super busy. And so, um, I will apologize. I, I redid my room. So, listeners, if you hear some sort of uh, like reverberations or echoing on my end, it's because I pulled out all the carpet and I have uh, hardwood now. And I have no carpets. I have no dampeners. I'll work on that in time. But hopefully, it does not sound all that bad. And I am the same as I've always been and ever will be. Yeah. So, there's uh, no change on his, there's no change on that front. No, I just rearranged a bunch of toys. So. That doesn't do much, unless they've all come crashing down and you hear a loud bang and me cuss and start crying. That's uh, that's really all that could happen here. Sounds like uh, the premise for Puppet Master reboot right there. Uh, this week we are talking about a classic hardcore horror movie. <laughs> um, yeah, I had you seen this before? No, nah, not the original. No, I'd, I'd seen the remake. I totally forgot that Wes Craven directed this, even though I knew yeah. he did. I'm watching, I was like, oh, shit. And um, produced by Sean Cunningham, yeah. who did the Friday the 13th. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it's it's uh, it's got all the makings of uh, a classic, for sure. Yeah. I have issues. And I, I know can't you wait do, to but talk. what about the movie? <laughs> I can't wait <laughs> to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know... We watch a lot of horror, that's what we do, but this is one of those movies, like, I watched it, like, over a decade ago, and it's one that's always just stayed with me because it's so disturbing. Like, we watch a lot of gross shit, but this is so, and we'll talk about it when we do the movie, but it feels so real Mm -hmm. that it's disturbing. Like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street's gross, but it's so fantastical, you can go, well, it's just a movie. Yeah. Which is ironic, because that's kind of the tagline for this. Uh, you mm-hmm. heard it at the beginning, and you'll hear it here in a few seconds. But it's the the scenes in the woods are so graphic, and so real, and so yeah. grimy, like it's actually you know real documentary footage, that it right. just sticks with you in a way that other movies don't. Yeah, it has a real cannibal holocaust vibe, just yeah, with the way it's filmed. Which I really want to see one day. It's, I believe it, it's been on Shutter forever. Um, really? Yeah, it, it that's where I believe I watched it if, um, several years back. But it's just that movie in itself is also in that same way. You know, it's yeah. it's gritty. It has um, you know kind of that shaky handheld vibe like this one does. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'll hold on. I, I was starting to think about my stuff for last house. So once we get started, I'll I'll share my thoughts. Alrighty. 
Well, as you heard earlier and a little bit later, we were going to say it again. The tagline for this movie is, and it's one of my favorites, to avoid fainting, keep repeating, it's only a movie, only a movie, only a movie. Oh, how funny. I didn't see that. (laughs) Uh, Two teenage girls heading to a rock concert for one's birthday try to score marijuana in the city where they're kidnapped and brutalized by a gang of psychopathic convicts. Bloodlust. I believe that was the the name of the band they were going to see, Bloodlust, or something like that. It fits. (laughs) Uh, Written and directed by the master, Wes Craven, produced by Sean Cunningham, like we said before. Uh, Starring Sandra Peabody, Lucy Grantham, David A. Hess, Fred Lincoln, Jeremy Rain, and Mark Scheffler. Released August 30th, 1972. Budget of $87,000 with a box office of $3 million. So not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. a fairly I mean, independent movie. Yeah. This, um... I totally brain farted too because I was thinking about this. I'm like, God, it really does feel like... I mean, this like feels almost like more of an older, like... John Carpenter than a uh, Wes Craven. Yeah. The way, like, but just, I think it's so much more brutal than what Carpenter does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like I said, I liken this more to Cannibal Holocaust than I do any other movie like that, just because yeah. of the way the the look and feel of it. It does. It's feel definitely like, got that early seventies vibe. And that early seventies music. I love the music. That song, and we'll talk about it probably a couple times, but the song they keep playing over and over again oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. is so hauntingly creepy. Like, it mm. just, it's fantastic. Well, and that's the thing, man, because I love 70s and 80s. Like, uh, that's my favorite, you know, when it comes to horror movies. And, too, like, watching, like, the way that this starts out, I'm like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like this quite mm. a bit. Um, but it, it, it kind of... Even though the, some of the music is good, in my opinion, it suffers from the, um, like, Halloween with the, like, original score that they had before they changed it and it got creepy. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, man. It's a little uh, slow. It's not so much that it's slow. Is it, it, it feels like it goes back and forth between horror movie and dopey cop dra- uh, comedy. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have that in my notes. That is the one, like... We'll get to it, but it's like, I get it, but I hate it. Right, we'll and I mean, like, it. yeah, like, when, yeah, we can talk about it in production or if you get into it, but, like, just the score in general, yeah. like, they're like, hey, dum 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 yeah. and then it'll go into some, like, really it's like unsettling, dum 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 Beverly Hillbilly is kind of, yeah, exactly, yeah. And then it'll go and there'll be like some sort of weird like chase music and you're like, okay, you know, that Or that weird fits. electrical sounds. Yeah, and, yeah. like it fits. <laughs> like that. But there it is. That's my issue. I couldn't hold it in. We'll talk yeah. about it more though. Oh yeah, we definitely will. Because that, that <laughs> is the one thing that I don't like about this movie. I forgot about it. Mm-hmm. And watching it yesterday when I got home, I was like, oh. That's, oh, that's oh. what it is. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I was just talking about this with our friend Patrick the uh, the Roger Moore Bonds, mm-hmm. the first couple where they had that hillbilly American sheriff that kept showing up. <laughs> I fucking hate that guy because you have an otherwise good movie and then this putz shows up cracking jokes and being like the wacky, stupid, oafish American. 
and it's like I get it. Yeah, we're because Americans are dumb, and we <laughs> yeah, but it just ruins your movie. It's like Dragon Ball Z, where like the one American s character in the show is called Mister Satan. Oh. Well, <laughs> and, and, and American, I haven't watched American, Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> in the American, like in, over here where we watch it, his name's Hercule, but they, oh. um, if you watch, like actually watch it, it's uh, Mister Satan. It's hilarious. That sounds right. Uh, Sean S. Cunningham made his directorial debut with the 1970 film The Art of Marriage, which grossed $100,000. The film attracted the attention of Steve Manison's company, Hallmark Releasing, uh, which had a distribution partnership with American International Pictures. Cunningham then made the 1971 film together as a, quote, better version of The Art of Marriage, which it was, you know, both of which are just shy of porn. Uh, Wes Craven, who had no money at the time, was put on the job of synchronizing dailies for Together and soon began editing the film with Cunningham, with whom he became good friends. Hmm. I like the idea of the Friday the 13th guy and the Nightmare on Elm Street guy being friends. I don't know why. Well, like, because, I just think that it's cool I mean, that they came eventually up together. Eventually they butt heads. Like, it's, yeah. you know, seating right here. Yeah. It's great. Uh, Hallmark bought the film for $10,000 and it was considered a hit prompting the company to persuade Cunningham and Craven to make another film with a bigger budget. The company then gave them $90,000 to shoot a horror film. Hmm. Cunningham served as producer, and Craven served as writer and director on the project. Written by Craven in 1971, the original script was intended to be a graphic, hardcore film, true story, with all actors and crew being committed to filming it as such. Hmm. However, after shooting began, the decision was made to edit the script to be less harsh. Like, okay. how bad was this going to be? That, that's definitely a curiosity that I have now as well. Um, yeah, because like, this is one of the few movies that still creeps me out. Like we talked about earlier, like, it's it's so icky. Like, even though my wife was, like, up upstairs and I was two floors down, like, I still turned down the wood scene because it's <laughs> just so uncomfortable. Like, I just don't like it. It's weird because I did something very similar to that when I was watching this movie and I had my, I'm you know I'm in my my room here and um my door was open cuz I was listening to headphones cuz I'm since I reconnect my computer I don't have speakers right now. Mm-hmm. I was even with headphones on and no audio. Mm-hmm. I was still pausing it every time somebody would walk by or mm-hmm. seemingly walk into my room especially during that scene because it's like What's true with all horror movies is it feels like any time you're watching one and somebody walks in, especially with the older ones, is when there's nudity on, on screen or there's a sex sure. scene or something. And it's like people are like, well, what are you watching? And it's like, well, <laughs> you came in at the you know three seconds where it showed some boobies. Like, why yeah. couldn't you have came in five minutes ago when that when didn't happen? Just, <laughs> you know, just standing around talking about boobies. like <laughs> Yeah. And so yeah. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I didn't want anybody to walk in and be my because my wife would have definitely been like, "What the fuck are you watching?" <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing inappropriate on my computer. That's for sure. <laughs> it's all on the phone. Uh, this script, written under the title "Night of Vengeance," has never been released. Only a brief glimpse is visible in the feature at Celluloid Crime of the Century, a 2003 documentary on the making of the film, which hmm. I would like to watch. Yeah, me uh, too. The crux of the plot is based on the Swedish ballad. I'm gonna. Fuck this up, so I apologize. Ever Torres de Trar Ewang. Okay. That's how I'm going to say that. 
Uh, there's a lot of letters with the two dots over it, and I don't know how you pronounce those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's not get there. Uh, which itself was the basis of the Ingmar Bergman's 1960 film The Virgin Spring, of which Craven was an admirer. Huh. Craven envisioned a film in which the violence would be shown in detail on screen as he felt that many popular films of the era, such as westerns, glamorize violence and the vigilante hero, and gave the public a misleading representation of death in the wake of the Vietnam War. Fair. Hmm. Uh, the majority of the cast of Last House on the Left were inexperienced or first-time actors, with the exception of Richard Towers, Eleanor Shaw, and Sandra Peabody, who were all soap opera regulars and had prior film roles. Hmm. Cunningham and Craven held casting calls for the film at Cunningham's office in Midtown Manhattan in late 1971. Hmm. Uh, the film was shot on location for seven days in New York City as well as Long Island, follow, followed by reshoots or followed by shoots in rural locations outside of Westport, Connecticut. While filming in Connecticut, the cast and crew spent much time at producer Cunningham's family home. And according to Craven, the lake sequence was shot in the town reservoir of Weston, Connecticut. Uh, Craven sought a documentary-style appearance for the film, marked by close-up shots and single-cut takes. Yeah, it definitely felt like that. It felt like you mm -hmm. were peering in on something you shouldn't be watching. Yeah, which yeah. really helps the tension. It does. It does. Uh, Cunningham later described the film shoot as being guerrilla style and the crew spontaneously filming at locations and being forced to leave due to a lack of permits. In retrospect, Lincoln said that nobody knew what they were doing. Fair. So, th there's that. Uh, Peabody recalled one of the characters was a method actor, so he was trying to live his part. He'd come after us with a knife at night, trying to freak us out. This was the guy with the dark curly hair, David Hess. No, so he was a big old fucking... Jared Leto's dad. Right. Uh, he tried to play his role on and off the set. It was like, lock your doors and windows at night. You don't want him to come get you. I was scared. I thought this guy had been a killer at some point in his past. Like, <laughs> he does a great job. Don't get me wrong. He's yeah. very much a horrible monster, and you believe it from the second he is on screen. Mm-hmm. But what are you doing? Like, just... I'm trying to remember, trying to think of, he reminds me of... Um, I'm not gonna be able to think of it, so I won't spend too much time on it. But he does have—he does remind me of somebody from a like a like a late '80s, maybe mid early eight, or uh, sorry, late '70s, maybe early mid '80s horror film where you know he does have that black curly hair. I don't—I know it's not Maniac because the guy in Maniac was much larger in frame sure. than he was, but mm. I'm trying to, uh, yeah. All right, that yeah. was fun. Yeah. The film underwent multiple title changes with its investors initially titling it Sex Crime of the Century. Yuck. However, after test screenings were completed, it was decided to change the title to Krugen Company, which is terrible as well. But even this title was found to have a little draw during test screenings. A marketing specialist who was an acquaintance of Cunningham's proposed the title The Last House on the Left, which Craven initially thought was terrible. <laughs> I feel like this happens a lot with Craven, where he's like, that title's really stupid, and then it's an instant classic that is more recognizable than any other horror movie. Hmm. <laughs> but I can feel like he had a problem with Scream as well. He probably, yeah. If I remember right. And then it, and now it's like one of the most famous movie titles ever. 
Uh, Howard Thompson of the New York Times wrote that he walked out of the theater during a screening. When I walked out after 50 minutes with 35 to go, one girl had just been dismembered with a machete. They had started in on the other with a slow switchblade. The party who wrote this sickening tripe and also directed the inept actors is Wes Craven. It's at the Penthouse Theater for anyone interested in paying to see repulsive people and human agony. (laughs) So there's that. Fair. Uh, Roger Ebert, however, gave the film three and a half out of four stars, which is very surprising, and -hmm. described it as about four times as good as as you'd expect. (laughs) Okay. I never, like, he is such a mystery wrapped in a Twinkie. Like, I really don't understand. Like, he trashed all the Friday the 13th, but he likes this. Yeah. What? Well. (laughs) Same thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, on Metacritic, the film has a weighted sco- average score of 68 out of 100 based on 8 critics. The film was nominated for AFI's 100 Years 100 Thrills. Hmm. And now some fun facts before we get into the thing. Much of the special effects in the film were achieved practically, some at Lincoln's suggestion. For example, for the sequence in which Phyllis is disemboweled, Lincoln helped craft fake intestines with condoms filled with fake blood and sand. Hmm. Which is an odd combo, but it worked. It worked. It, yeah, it looked real. Mystic. Yeah. Uh, Grantham recalled that during the scene in which Hess's character tells her to piss her pants, she in fact urinated in her jeans. Huh. I mean, it does get more practical than that. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Schaefer admitted during a one-on-one sequence with Peabody that he threatened to push her over a cliff if she failed to hit her marks. Which, that seems a bit excessive. Yes, it does. (laughs) Uh, Though the film passed with an R rating by the Motion Picture Association of America, after numerous cuts were made, director Craven claimed that on several occasions, horrified audience members would demand that theater projectionists destroy the footage, sometimes stealing the film themselves. Hmm. So that's nuts. Wow. Uh, Last House on the Left was refused a certificate for cinema release by the British Board of Film Censors in 1974. Big surprise. Uh, The film remained banned throughout the remainder of the 80s and into the 90s. In 2000, the film was again presented to the BBFC for theatrical certification, and it was again refused. I mean, it's not surprising. Yeah. I thought I had this in my uh, fun facts, which is why I didn't say it earlier, but... Freddy Krueger, his name, is based off of Krug from this. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And last, but certainly not least, Wes Craven died on August 30th, 2015, the 43rd anniversary of the film's release. Oh. Which hmm. is very sad, but also kind of cool at the same time. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, this is what got him into the horror game and yeah. then you got hills have eyes nightmare scream etc etc so yeah and the thing about my thing with this movie though is like it it can't be classified as anything else other than horror thriller whatever yeah but like you're watching it and it's it's not even horror like i mean it's horrific mhm Be- but like it's so rooted in realism that, like, it 
it doesn't feel like you're watching a horror movie. The the music, it doesn't sound like you're watching a horror movie. Like it plays. It's almost like, Wicker Manish or Midsummerish. Like it's that happy, you know, festive music was just the most horrific things imaginable mm-hmm. happening. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Well, we're into the thing, so let's just uh, let's, rock and roll through this. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I love. We've talked about it before, but the gritty documentary style opening and just throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It really just sucks you in. And I think that's what... Because, you know, I know I've kind of gained a reputation on this show for picking some of the more kid-friendly, dopey kind of horror stuff. But I also love the hardcore dark stuff, including mm-hmm. this. And so that's why I wanted to pick this movie, was yeah. to show the other side of my horror film taste. Right. And this is the perfect example of it. Like, I don't think Saw is as bad as this. I don't think any other movie... Maybe I spit on your grave because it's essentially the same thing. It's ba- yeah, and I mean I've seen and that one I have seen. I I don't know if I saw the. I think I've seen both. I mean like the like I've I, seen I think both, I saw the but I don't think I've seen any of the sequels. No, there's like four I think total of like yeah, the newer which is ones. A bit much. Yes. I mean, how many times are you gonna spit, spit on somebody's on grave? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, I. I don't know. Lost my cool. train of thought. Sorry. All right. Great contribution. Happy to have you here. Hey. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's I mean that's really it's your the mouth. thing. <laughs> Sassy because, fuck. I mean, I don't want to keep harping on it because there's other stuff to talk about, but it it is what makes this movie so much more horrific than anything else, really, that we've covered so far since we started this show. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there is any other movie... Like, there's movies that I we've watched, and I've turned it down or been like, I'm going to watch this by myself. My wife does not want or need to see this. Right. Uh, you know, plenty of them. But with this one, I knew... Like, there's a reason I waited on this movie until we were more established. Like, this is, I would think, to be one of the most controversial things we've covered so far. Yeah, until we cover Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, which I would like to do because I really want to see it. I mean, if I didn't already have my next, you know, you know the the bonus, and then our, you know, my yeah. next episode picked, it would almost fit perfectly in that vein to yeah. switch it up and be like, hey, let's talk about the most controversial films of all time, and then follow it up with Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe we could do that next time. Uh, hey. I'll pick a really gross one. Like, I was gonna do High Tension. And I was like, I don't feel like doing subtitles and shit, so I'm gonna yeah. do this instead. Yeah, we'll plan that but, one out because I think that'd be. Uh, yeah. God, oh, dude, it almost works better than what I had originally planned. <laughs> I Am like I what keep... you're doing because it still fits with what I did. Because <laughs> I know. Yeah, we'll get to it later. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I like the radio broadcast. That kind of it's a little hokey and like Looney Tunes ish of the but radio broadcast. But that's only because it's been done so many times, dude. This is 1972. Like you probably they yeah. probably like it wasn't hokey then because yeah. you know they're they're probably like, oh my god, that is a hell of a way to you know bring you know bring the story in. And now you know, 50 years later, damn near we've seen when it I, so many times. Yeah, and for those that aren't following, it's. The girls are in the car on their way to the concert or whatever, or to the city to get their drugs, and there's a radio broadcast basically telegraphing the backstory of these killers escaping from prison and the Mm -hmm. crazy psycho lady that helped them. Right. And, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a little cliche, but I think it helps, again, in the whole, like, this doesn't feel like a movie. It feels like a documentary. 
Which it is, feels we, like we just happened upon this group as they just so happened to hear that thing on the radio. Right. And, you know, to your point that you had made earlier about the like the, the song that they play in this, you know, similar mm-hmm. to Mama Tried with uh, The Strangers and all that kind of stuff, how, you know, it just, I don't think it's as haunting as that. But mm-hmm. the thing that I do like about it is with the um, the crazy lady's name being Sadie and then that name being the name in the song, talking about Sadie and her whatevers, I'm like, oh, you know, that's actually really cool. Yeah. I don't know if it was meant to, I don't know if they're like, hey, let's just name her Sadie so we can, you know, it fits with the song better. But yeah. yeah. And then Krug and the gang are immediately the most despicable and irritating people in film history. Like I, I hate them immediately when they start <laughs> doing anything because <laughs> so they're the just th- dirt bags and they're gross and they're like yucking it up and punching so, each other and kissing each other and it's just weird so it's really weird because i um i'm not sure so what what's krug's associate's name what's the other guy's name um i mean i have, I have it, it here somewhere i have it here i got it pulled up so you Weasel. got krug yeah, Weasel. Okay, Fred Weasel. So the thing about this is when you see him at all in this movie, and he's not doing anything weird, right? He's just standing mm-hmm. there or he's talking. Like, it, he feels, it feels so out of place. Like, he, he seems calm. He seems cool. He seems charismatic. He's smooth, whatever. And then he's, like, playing this, you know horrific person and it it feels really weird it's almost like if you were to take somebody who has like this you know nice guy look it'd be like taking you know john krasinski um and making him play a character like this where you know he's generally calm his delivery Mm -hmm. is soft all that kind of stuff but yet he's gutting people and doing weird shit like that it just it felt so weird movie huh I'd watch, I'd that, watch movie that movie too. That sounds great. You know, or like Marty Kloss in in Creep. Like it's just like those. I think were done better, but at the same time, I think it's just it's really weird because when you look at Krug, he he looks every bit of that character. Yeah. And then Weasel Fred does not, and so mm-hmm. it's like it, it it almost like when he's talking to um, Mary's mom when she's Estelle. you know in the kitchen. Estelle, yes. Um, at the end, he walks in. He's like, you know, what are you doing up so late? And it's like, he doesn't seem creepy at all. Yeah, but he's then, disarming. He's pleasant. He's disarming. he's the guy who gets you into the room mm-hmm. because he's you know he's dressed in like a nice blazer suit thing. Like he's looking presentable. Yeah. Like everyone else looks like they just crawled out of a dumpster, but this guy <laughs> looks disarming like a business. Is exactly man. the word that I was trying to think of too, because yeah. it really does it it it. He kind of reminds me of Sam Rockwell. Okay, yeah. I guess, yeah. He kind of... He he he, looks a lot like him. He kind of does. And has that smarmy attitude. (laughs) Not in a bad way, but it just like he's one of those smooth talkers that can just get into places and you go, okay, that makes sense. You're there. I get it now. This guy's smooth. But... God, now you got now I got thinking about John Krasinski as a killer killing somebody, and I'm like, maybe once he's done doing the Quiet Place movies, he'll go more what? horror and be a serial killer. I I'd don't know that. how I feel about this though, because like the first <laughs> two movies were were I liked Quiet Place one and two, and maybe now they're two. gonna do a part three, and I'm 
I'm hearing, I, I don't know if that, you know, with him not directing it, mm. if that doesn't mean that uh, Emily Blunt's not going to be a part of it, is, is it going to be like, would, we're going to... I don't know. I would think so, unless it's a spinoff, and it's not an actual, like, part three of that story, and it's, you know, somewhere right. else. But so we'll get like to that what, whenever we get to that. Yeah, but still, it's just... Yeah, okay. Um, I love them intercutting the lovely home life of the parents getting the birthday party ready mm-hmm. while they intercut this very horrible, horrific, you know, women's worst nightmare. Because we're not even into the woods yet, but this is just them going to the apartment. Right. And it's like, oh, this shithead-looking guy it really is a shithead. Big shock. And he's lured us into a trap with these two creepazoids and their psycho girlfriend to, you know, kidnap yeah. us and do horrible things. Right, but, you know, he... So, he is a shithead. He obviously starts them off on this whole thing by doing that, but, like, at this, like he did a pretty good job of playing that torn fucked up guy that's like Mm -hmm. along for the ride that can't do anything anyway you know what i mean like yeah i mean later on when they get to the last house on the left it is really cool well cool is a wrong word but it's it's a nice turn for him that he's like oh shit we we did something wrong like when he's trying to stop it in the woods it's a little forced and dumb but when he's in the house and he's throwing up and you know part of it's probably withdrawals but like he's Mm. It's 100% like, withdrawals, yeah. Yeah, but he's like, oh my god, what have we done? I feel so horrible. I'm sorry! Yeah, like, that's actually really cool, and it makes his turn at the end interesting, even though it doesn't matter. Right. Well, and that's that turn that you, you see coming as soon as he locks him in the house. He's like, I don't yeah. want to do this, but I don't have a choice. Right. And the weird thing about that, let's like, we could talk a little bit about the opening with this, and, you know, Sadie being like, I'm not putting out till we get a couple more chicks in the house. But, mm-hmm. like, she's laying on, like, she's laying on that mattress on the floor next to Krug, and then fucking Weasel pops down, and he's, just throws his leg over both of them, like, he's yeah. like, I thought she was our girl, and I'm like, oh, please don't tell me this is gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> like, Yeah, it's a weird sandwich situation that I really didn't want to see play out. Yeah, it wasn't... But it doesn't it, surprise me either. Again, these are the most scummy, gross people, like... Like, probably in movie history, and you totally would buy that they are the kind of people that would do that. Yeah. And it's so just... they're swinging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that, but the way they no. do it is so lascivious and just, I don't know. Yeah, I know. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out. In the woods, when... Right before they do what they do with Mary, and mm. they do the the close up uh, of her, of her face and Krug, like it's the most despicable act. But the thing that grossed me out the most was when his face was on hers, and he just looks sweaty, mm-hmm. stinky, and gross. But he's got his mouth open, like on her cheek, and then when he pulls it up, you could just see all the saliva that mm-hmm. had came out of his mouth, and it was on, like it was like alien just like oh man like it's just that extra bit of gross ass realism that i didn't need (laughs) like watching that part like oh fuck man that's a good tagline for this movie it's just that little (laughs) bit of gross reality that just i don't unnecessary but it works and it's, it's why this 
movie is what it is and works so well. Because, I mean, just even the torture scenes with that calm acoustic music, like, I loved it. It's horrible in the best possible way because you get this calming, you know, you already had the intercut birthday cake making and all that shit. And then all this horrible stuff with this very, you know, Wicker Man-esque music. It's, so, it's calming and disturbing at the same time. It's very strange. Yeah, did you recognize uh, Kreese being the deputy Mm-mm. Uh, from Karate Kid or in Cobra I'm Kai? Not a, I'm not a Karate Kid person. I was just talking about this at work. I I, I get that people like it. I understand, sure. but I don't care. I didn't yeah. grow up with it, so I don't care. Right. But, I mean, the guy who played Kreese was the deputy. Um, and, that, like, obviously way apart from each other but i was like oh shit it's kind of weird to see him not be a super prick <laughs> so yeah. he's um, just kind of a douchebag but i do now that we're on to the cops uh and we'll talk about how stupid the cops were in a little bit i have it i know i have it on here somewhere yeah mm-hmm. it's like two things down i do like you know the long chase through the woods as um i have her, phyllis is trying to get away and the cops are like, oh shit, there was a car that we passed, and that could be them, and they're trying to get there in time to save whatever might have be happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Phyllis is being all crafty and shit, and until she kind of stumbles and screws up and gets caught. Like, it's very tense. Yeah. It's really like, oh, she's going to get free. Like, I know, just because I know the movie, that that's not going to happen, but you still have that kind of pull of, oh, she might get free. Oh, there might, yeah, she, like, she... Yep. And right as she gets to the road, they catch up with her, and it's fucking horrible. Yeah, it'd been even worse if like they would have, if she would have seen like the like I don't know. They show the cop car drive by, but you don't mm-hmm. actually hear the sirens when it shows them. So I didn't think it was actually that close. But like, if the car no, but she was dri- right by the road, right. like a few trees away was other cars zipping by. Yeah, I think their cop car was a, a ways back because mm-hmm. it's where their car was. Right, that'd have been so fucked up, though. Yeah. Well, then, I mean, I mean, gunshots are loud. But I was gonna say they're within some close of a distance to the house. Like, well, the dog hears the gunshots. Mm-hmm. So later, when they kill Mary, um, but yeah, and then they, I didn't realize it when it happened, but they cut off Phyllis's arm as proof that she is dead and showed yeah. it to Mary, which is just horrible. Right, and then. Well, I didn't. I didn't see that coming either because, like, yeah. when they show the hand coming out, like they're like almost like she's standing behind them, and then throwing it on the ground. It's like, oh, the mm-hmm. fuck. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Really... And then, of course, we get to the infamous Mary's torture scene, which we're not going to go into detail, but it's just fucking horrible, and it's so real. Feeling. Mm-hmm. And to and then, of course, the they finish what they do. And the acoustic music starts up again. And one of my favorite parts, which I didn't really think about until I watched History of Horror, was this kind of odd realization they all have after it's over. And it's it almost doesn't fit with their character, but it's a cool moment for the movie because they're like, what did we just do? Yeah. Like, we started out just, you know, fucking with these two, but we just did something incredibly horrible. And they all kind of look at each other like, oh my god. Yeah, and there's no coming back from that, which is why I think when he takes Weasel's gun and then walks out to the water, because I'm like, okay, are they just going to let her go? 
Because, I mean, they could theoretically let her go. I mean, they might not be able to get away as fast. They could go down the road and take somebody else's car Mm -hmm. just as easy. I mean, they're already wanted murderers. It's not like them pointing her or her pointing them out is going to be like... It's like, not, yeah, oh, there's it's, another life sentence on top of the six you already got. Like, right, okay. and the cops know that they were there because they they like when they're explaining the car, you know, and the the, the sheriff's like, Fuck, you know, we saw that car parked along mm-hmm. the side of the road when it shows them picture it. But like, yeah, they didn't necessarily have to kill her. She could have. No. They could have just let her walk off. But then at the same time, he's like, well, we come this far, we might as. I mean, Wonder, it is really so- weird. What's so strange, I mean, I I just thought of this now, and I'll get to it in a second, but, like, because Mary just walks out into the water. Yeah. And they just kind of let her go and then follow her with the gun, and it's almost like they all come to this realization, like, it's over. Like, we're done, you know, Mary's like, okay, the worst has happened, the worst thing that could possibly happen to someone has happened to me. And now... I'm done. And these guys aren't going to let me go. They already Mm -hmm. killed my friend. And she's just accepting her fate but the only thing i just thought of was maybe because her house is literally like right there maybe yeah. it was her instinct to try and walk across just the walk lake, home just trying to yeah trying to get home yeah which is a horrifying disturbing thought that makes me sick but like it's either that or both it's a mix of just like fuck it my house yeah. is right there i'm either gonna get there or i'm not yeah and the gang is just like there's no turning back like, yeah, we can't let her go, even if we were going to in the first place, which they probably weren't, given what they did to Phyllis. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, Phyllis also tried to run, and she definitely made things more difficult on them, which yeah. definitely and she bashed what's her face with the rock. And yeah. Ba- yeah, yeah, Sadie. But I mean, like, it. I don't want to say it, it justifies or makes sense that they killed her, but like, no, you. That's almost to be expected. They're like, you know, like you yeah. fucking you know fought and made yeah. this we're frustrated with you and mm-hmm. then you know uh mary is just kind of going with it you know don't make waves this kind mm-hmm. of that um but it, it is really the more you think about it it really is kind of off base just that realization across mm-hmm. their face because it i don't want to necessarily be like it shows remorse and yeah, that really it, it humanizes them just a little bit so that and i think it's kind of a good thing because it's like people aren't very few people are like actual fucking monsters with no remorse i don't mm-hmm. think that these are just a group of i mean they are kind of sociopathic obviously but like i think they know what they did was horrible except for maybe krug like the other two would be the ones. I don't know. He kind of was like, the one. Mm-hmm. Like, like I don't know. I feel like Weasel was kind of the one that showed the least amount of anything. He just kind of stood there, and mm-hmm. you know, Krug kind of was like, yeah. "Like, well, dude, yeah, what do you like? <laughs> you did. Yeah, you did it. this. Like, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah, exactly. And they don't talk. It's all silent except for the music that again is haunting and beautiful at the same time. But it's yeah, it's. It is the one scene that made me want to watch the movie because it is so impactful in so many different ways. Yeah. Then we get to the stupid chicken truck <laughs> with the fucking cops and it's just <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, I get it from the sense of we just saw possibly one of the most horrifying, disturbing scenes again in cinema history and I don't think that's much of an overstatement. No. 
And you want to so. break that up with some levity because the ending is pretty fucking brutal too. Yeah, Not we as haven't brutal got to, as I, I can't, remember. We're about to get to the house. Like, yeah, I can't wait to talk about that. But yeah, no. So I agree with you. The truck scene is weird because it's like yeah. this truck will not run because of the weight. Well, Which like is it's fair. A, it's a shitty ass old truck with sure a bunch it is, of but chickens it's a tr- in it. It's a truck. <laughs> like <laughs> trucks are meant to carry weight, and like sure, yeah, you're gonna tell me adding, f- we'll just say four hundred more pounds. pounds. Yeah. Three, 500 400. pounds max like like no nah, that that cop I'd probably say about 250 260 huh. the one but i mean that's still like 450 pounds added to the truck one even i don't mind the the truck won't take the weight thing like fine but why do you have to go through this whole rigmarole of you gonna help me get these crates off the back and why don't you hop yeah. on top and then i go two seconds and the car the truck stops, stops and they, and they tumble off, off with well, yeah, he's like, music well, you, you're about like, 11 okay. crates worth of weight right there and it's like well God, oh, okay <laughs> so <laughs> so what the i don't know these crates are 20 yeah, and pounds it's like, a piece like and that's it's so i i like i said i get wanting some levity after such a horrible scene but they could have done it better it yeah. didn't need to be so slapstick that it's like it's from another movie yeah because i mean this movie does at times feel like two separate movies and it's because yeah. of the way that the they wrote the cops yeah if those guys weren't in the movie it would be or considerably better or they didn't act the way that they acted yeah. Even just I mean, cutting you, out the truck scene, I think they would have been fine. They're still, like, I get the idea of having them be inept, stupid cops that don't have the wherewithal to catch these horrible murders and, and, and also having, take the the family seriously when their daughter's missing. Like, yeah. Sitting there, sitting there but, eating cake. The other one forgot to put gas in the car. Like, all yeah. these different things. Yeah. But the the chicken thing was just like it's just one step too far that's my only complaint of this movie is that that scene just feels so out of left field that it doesn't fit yeah but then we get the gang cleaning up seeking shelter at what happens to be mary's house she told uh junior that she lived close um, and she lives very close because it ends up being like right fucking next door. Well, that was, dude, the odds. That was the exact same thing that I thought when the car broke down and I saw the mailbox. You can't quite read what's on the side of the mailbox, but I'm like, that fucking looks like Mary's mailbox. And I'm like, yeah. what are the goddamn odds? Right. And so they get to the house. Junior's starting to crack and get sick, which we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And it's Estelle, Mary's mom, who puts it together because she sees the necklace that the dad had given her right before she left for the concert well, around that, Junior's neck. Right. Well, that, yeah, because you see that. But even that, even at dinner, like, you know, she's noticing, she's seeing, you know, teeth. Mm-hmm. She sees the teeth marks. She sees Sadie's got the the bandage on her forehead and, and like all these different things where it's like, well, where'd she get the Band-Aid? Mm-hmm. Unless, she, unless she got it from being cleaned up there but i don't know it's like she definitely starts putting it together yeah pretty early and then she looks through the luggage and sees the bloody clothes mm-hmm. and then their their parents are like oh shit and they tie tail it through the woods while the gang's asleep and trying find to find Mary. the daughter well and they said the daughter was dead they carried her back and put her on the couch mm-hmm. but like 
I don't know if they actually ever really just confirmed other than that being like, yeah, she's dead, dead. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, the dad's a doctor, so you kind of have to, when he's like, there's nothing we can do, she's gone. I thought okay. it was kind of a, there might have been a goof and she kind of like moved or blinked or something when they got there. It might have just been they, a, it's, it's actually, it, there is a goof. It's, it did say that, like, in the, uh, just under the fun facts on IMDb, mm. there was a, a goof about that. And I was like, I yeah. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh, she's not dead. And then she says that she's dead and it's like, okay, well, that must have been a fuck up then. <laughs> but whatever, you know, it's just 70s, who cares? Yeah. Um, And then their plan goes into effect. I, and I was surprised to see that this was like the last 20 minutes of the movie. You know, the movie's like a buck 40, give or take. No, this movie's, a, yeah, no, uh, yeah, 100 uh, minutes. Yeah, so, so exactly 140, yeah. yeah. And so the it's the only the last like twenty five minutes that's in if the even last that, yeah. yeah. Like I remember pausing it like towards that. I was like, God, there's fifteen minutes left of this movie. When's it gonna fucking yeah. ramp? Yeah, and they don't start home aloneing it until there's you know <laughs> the, fifteen minutes left. And I have it in my notes. It's such a home aloney thing. It is a home aloney thing, and dude, like I'm I'm not reading. Like I I have your notes up. I haven't been reading them, but like. It is a very thing when he's a uh, home alone thing. When he um, does the shaving cream in the hallway, he, mm -hmm. you know, copper wires, uh, does a trip wire in the hallway where I, I don't think that spoon would have held, but it did. Yeah. You know, I really liked the um, when he undoes the copper braiding and, you know, frays it out and puts it under yeah. the, the um, floor mat, douses mm. it with water. I thought we might have got a little bit of a spark. When he plugged it in or something, but yeah. it's the seventies. It worked, but nothing even really. Hap I don't remember anything really even happening with that either. Yeah, it did. He tries mm. to run towards the door and he grabs and he's like, and then falls back oh. down to the ground. Oh, I didn't see that part. Yeah, um, it's a lot less brutal than I thought. Like when he, um, when Weasel has the dream of that. The that was like fantastic. I forgot to write that down, but like that was such a cool scene, and I thought that was part of the ending of the movie. I did too, dude. I'm watching this. I was like, oh my god, they fucking like snuck in while he's sleeping, or they yeah. they fucking drugged him because he's a doctor. He's got fucking. Yeah. I'm sure he's got stuff there, dude. He could have easily went in and just shot each of them up and knocked him out and dextered him. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember the the ending of the remake, and I feel like it's a lot more like that. But I, it's been so long since I've watched it. The only time. thing I remember is the stupidity of them microwaving someone's head and then it explodes, which I always hated. But, yeah. And that might have even been an alternate ending. I don't even remember. It's possible. But like, I, I loved that doctor chiseling the teeth scene. I was like, uh, that's what this should have been. Oh, dude. When he put that on there, I was like, oh my God, this is almost as bad as in American History X when... Uh, mm -hmm. He has to the curb bite stomp. the curb. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, he's got to fight. And then you just hear the clink. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. Some of you have issues that it's... with dental yeah. issues throughout yeah. my life. Like, I just, I was like, oh, fuck me. That would yeah. suck. Mine's stuff with eyes. I hate that shit. But yeah. Yes, I, it is. I remember that. Yeah, bright burn. <laughs> yep, that's what I was about to say. Um, But yeah, that's my only, another kind of little criticism I have is like, I wish that was part of the actual ending because I love you know, uh, Estelle seducing Weasel and taking tricks him out it, to yeah. the middle of nowhere and chomping him off, which was just <laughs> yeah. fucking brutal. She tricks him into being like, mm -hmm. you know, tying his own hands. Yeah. But, you know, I was which like, good is for you. just great. 
Yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't. I just, you could die from that. I mean, yeah, that's the worst. That, that's the worst too, and he absolutely deserves every bit of that, dude. She got oh, him yeah. right to the verge of mm-hmm. completion, and then just bites it off right in the middle. I'm like, ah, like ah, oh ah, like it's a mixture of like, ah, yay, oh, I, e, oh, ow, no, oh e, yay, but oh god, yeah, Fuck. but it's fantastic. And then <laughs> yeah. we don't see Weasel ever again. But you hear a scream, and that wakes up Krug and mm-hmm. Sadie, and it, it's it's a cool ending. You know, the the John and Krug fight is pretty good. Him chasing him around with the chainsaw that, is pretty great. Right. Well, the best part about that is, is because it's like obviously he never gets too close, but the chainsaw does. It's not just a prop saw. Like he, like when he's yeah when he throws the table up and he nicks it with it and it cuts into mm-hmm. the table. I'm like it's like I'm like yes, dude. Yeah, that's an actual fucking chainsaw. Yeah, and it I actually do. has the chain on it. <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> and I like even though they don't really show it and I wasn't sure it actually happened, Krug mm-hmm. essentially making uh Junior kill himself. Yeah. Like they really is insinuate. I almost had that as the Clip at the beginning of the show, but I was like, that's a little too brutal. Well, they, to well, the they with, did. Yeah, he's sitting there. He's like, shoot yourself in the fucking head, and then boom, yeah. and then he just drops to the ground. And it's like, come on, Junior, you're like Willow. You're not that yeah. like. You're not that weak. You just let this guy yell yell you into shooting yourself in the head. Yeah. Like, I, Which, he's like, shoot I mean, yourself chances, in the head. Be like, no. I'll pass. Yeah, sorry, you instead. Bud. I'll yeah. kill you instead. You're yeah. you're better. He tried to shoot him from a distance. I would have shot him when he was right there. You're not going right. to miss then. No. But he was, you know, he, <laughs> he was, was coming weak. down and doing yeah. all sorts of wacky shit, so it's fine. He's weakened. But, you know, John ends up killing Krug with the fucking chainsaw, still in Sadie Tussle in the yard trying to get that the knife. Fucking and then, next, that next slice in the pool yeah, was, that was fucking... Brutal. Dude, because she just... That was a masterful slice, dude. She yeah, just like, so she get up. Like I want to give John props for the chainsaw because that's a lot more visceral and exciting to watch. But Estelle was a much more brutal and cool. Yeah, she revengeist. bit the dude's dick off. She cut the yeah. woman's throat. Like she yeah. fucking was. Yeah, she did she what took, a mother would do. <laughs> she did yeah. what a mom would do. Like dad was getting his ass kicked, but mom's like, not on my watch, motherfucker. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, and the cops show up right at the end. Yeah, of as, course. Don't yeah. do it, John. Fuck you. Yeah, I'm gonna do Where it. Where were you 20 minutes ago, you dickhead? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, fucking, they show him in his hands all like permanently, just like <laughs> the claw. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. a good. It's, it's a solid the claw. I I wish that there was more like methodical torturings, like the dream that uh, mm, yeah. Weasel had. That's the ending I think would have been a much cooler and more disturbing. But I do, I feel like, again, the ending we got is more real. Like, yeah. what happened in that house is what would happen in that house. Mm-hmm. It's not as fantastical of like, oh, they put on their doctor clothes and drugged yeah, them. And then they, they started performing surgery. Like, that's awesome. That's 100% like Dexter inspiration right there. Right. But it's, again, it, it goes into this just feels like this could happen mm-hmm. and probably has happened. Yeah, probably. And it's just, yeah. I, I I love this movie. It's one I've only seen maybe three times in my life and may never mm-hmm. watch again because it just upsets me so much. But I'm glad we covered it. Because yeah, it's, I'm glad too, man. It's, it's worth um, doing. Especially after last week's stinker of a movie. 
it's still not doing well on the fucking listen charts right now. And I'm like, eh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. We're not all going to be winners. But, sure. you know, you got to follow it up with an absolute classic. And yeah. so, um, yeah, last pod. Uh, last pod. Yeah, last house on last. the left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Done and done. Another Checked. for the record books. Yep. So before we get the hell out of here, Brandon, what are we going to do next? So... Our next, I'm not gonna lie to you, Justin. I really like the ideas that we get, that uh, we had in this episode. I'm like, God, it fits so good because I don't know if there's another movie aside from this and the other one that is as controversial. Yeah, uh, like I don't know. We'll figure it out. But the original plan, what we're going to do, or what we were going to actually do uh, last time around. Uh, but we didn't have a bonus, was we're going to talk about remakes, reboots. We're going to rank them. We're going to talk about them, our favorites, our least favorites. Um, and, yeah. yeah, just talk all things reboots, remakes. Um, the goods, the bads, and the uglies. Yeah. Uh, why they won't stop making them, why we won't stop watching them. Yeah. I mean, it's content. Like, yeah. requels, reboots, and remakes, oh my. I'm here for it. Yeah, I am and, too. And I'm actually, I mean, I'm a supporter of them. So, I, I don't know it's where you stand movies. on the It's just more movies. Like, you, like, and this is how I feel about The Crow, especially with the fact that they're talking to <laughs> Skarsgård about playing Eric Draven. Hmm. I can see that. I can't. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> Isn't he, he's Pennywise, yeah? Yeah. yeah I'm, it's, it's okay. His face, it, it, it's, I don't know, Your man. Face. I, <laughs> well, so, so, the, like, with these Crow remakes, like, I w- actually, when I started to get on board with Luke Evans playing Draven, I was like, okay, good dude's a good actor. I could, facial wise, I could see it. That. And then when they were talking to Momoa, and Momoa was actually on, and everything was going with that, I'm like, okay. He could probably pull off a rock star vibe, but could he be as serious in the role as what you know Brandon Lee did with that? I, I don't know. All, all that did was make me want to see him play Lobo. Yeah, and, he would be a great Lobo. <laughs> He'd be so much better as Lobo than Aquaman. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. They're yeah. like, but he's Hawaiian. <laughs> like, so? yeah, no, I know. Lobo's an alien. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, but um. I don't know. I'm sure he, I'm sure he'll do fine. And I'll always have the original. That's what I'm yeah. getting at is when it when they're you know these reboots and requels and remakes and whatever else like they will never detract from the original. Yeah. They might even make you love them more. Yeah, it sucks that and they exist. And we'll get exist. into that a lot more next episode. Y- yes, we will. But um, yeah, and then that will actually lead into um what my pick for the end of the month will be. Yeah. Which I'm excited I'm, about. Yeah, I've never seen it, so I'm excited to. Uh, yeah. Well, it's not I mean, my favorite it's franchise. Co- I'm excited to finally see it. Yeah, I well, I want to get this one out of the way so I can cover uh, a movie that I've never seen before. Um, also, that yeah. seems to be everybody's favorite in the franchise. Right. Um, and I hope we'll get there that. when we yes, get we there. Will. Alrighty, guys. Well, any uh, closing thoughts, Justin, before we get out of here? Oh. Just all thank right. you for joining. It's been a blast. Yep. Um, what Justin said, thank you all for hanging out with us today. We appreciate it. Um, until next time, when we get back together and we talk about all the, the, the remake businesses, um, we can be reached 
on the mm-hmm. social medias, Facebook, uh, Pod and Gore Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Gore underscore pod. You can find us on the Slasher app at Pod and Gore Podcast. You can email us at podandgore at gmail.com. If you got a suggestion, critique, comment, concern, you want some you got something you want us to cover, we take requests, all we that do. fun stuff. You have. have and will. Mm-hmm. So um I know Justin generally has his shit planned out far in advance. I myself usually do not. I'm kind of a fly by the seat of my own shorts, but mm-hmm. we will throw things in. We'd love to hear from sure. you guys. Um but until then We've been your hosts. My name is Brandon. My name is Justin. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.